Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Torres v. Texas Department of Public Safety, certiorari to the Court of Appeals of Texas, 13th District, argued March 29, 2022, decided June 29, 2022. If you'd like support me on my journey to becoming a public defender, you can find a PayPal link in the show notes, or you can... Uh, Contact me at roadscholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S, like truck driving roads, and 80, like my birth year. Um, Article 1 of the Constitution grants Congress the power to raise and support armies and to provide and maintain a navy. That's Section 8, Clause 1. Pursuant, pursuant to that authority, Congress enacted the Uniform Services Employment and Reemployment Rights Act of 1994, U-S-E-R-R-A, which gives returning service members the right to reclaim their prior jobs with state employers and authorizes suit if those employers refuse to accommodate veterans' service-related disabilities. See 38 U.S.C. Section 4301 at Petitioner Leroy Torres enlisted in the Army Reserves in 1989. In 2007, he was called to active duty and deployed to Iraq. While serving, Torres was exposed to toxic burn pits, a method of garbage disposal that sets open fire to all manner of trash, human waste, and military equipment. Torres received an honorable discharge, but he returned home with constrictive bronchitis, a respiratory condition that narrowed his airways and made breathing difficult. These ailments, Torres says, left him unable to work his old job as a state trooper. Torres asked his former employee, respondent, Texas Department of Public Safety, Texas, to accommodate his correction by re-employing him in a different role. Texas refused, so Torres sued Texas in a state court to enforce his rights under USERRA, Section 4313A3. Texas tried to dismiss the suit by invoking sovereign immunity. The trial court denied the state's motion. An intermediate appellate court reversed, reasoning that under this court's case law, Congress could not authorize private suits against non-consenting states pursuant to its Article I powers, except under the Bankruptcy Clause, citing Central VA Community College v. Katz. The Supreme Court of Texas denied discretionary review. After the decision below, this court issued Penn East Pipeline v. New Jersey. Penn East held that states waived their sovereign immunity as to the federal eminent domain power, pursuant to the plan of the convention. The court then granted Torres's petition for certiorari to determine whether, in light of that intervening ruling, USERRA's damages remedy against state employers is constitutional. The Supreme Court held. The decision below is reversed and remanded, and Justice Breyer delivered the opinion of the court. By ratifying the Constitution... The states agreed their sovereignty would yield to the national power to raise and support the armed forces. Congress may exercise this power to authorize private damages suits against non-consenting states, as in USERRA. While courts generally may not hear private suits against non-consenting states, see uh, Blatchford versus Native Village of Nanatuck, the states remain subject to suit in certain circumstances. States may consent to suit, see um, Sossamon versus Texas, 
Congress may abrogate states' immunity under the 14th Amendment, see Fitzpatrick v. Bitzer, and, as relevant here, states may be sued if they agreed their sovereignty would yield to the exercise of a particular federal power as part of the plan of the convention. Uh, Penn East. That is, if the structure of the original Constitution itself reflects a waiver of states' immunity, Alden versus Maine. Consistent with these principles, the court long ago found structural waiver as to suits between states, see South Dakota versus North Carolina, and suits by the United States against a state, see United States versus Texas. A century later, Central Virginia Community College versus Katz, the court recognized another structural waiver, holding that Congress may authorize private suits against states under the bankruptcy clause. For several years, both before and after Katz, the court declined to acknowledge additional waivers of sovereign immunity under Congress's Article I powers, or to find Article I authority to abrogate immunity. See, for example, Seminole Tribe of Florida versus Florida, Florida Prepaid Post-Secondary Education Expense Board versus College Savings Bank. Last term, in Penn East, the court considered whether Congress could, pursuant to its eminent domain power, authorize private suits against states to enforce federally approved condemnations necessary to build interstate pipelines. Penn East held that Congress could authorize such suits because upon entering the federal system, the states implicitly agreed their eminent domain power would yield to that of the federal government. Penn East defined the test for structural waiver as whether the federal power is complete in itself and the states consented to the exercise of that power in its entirety in the plan of the convention. Congress's power to build and maintain the armed forces fits Penn East's test as the Constitution's text, its history, and this court's precedents show. To begin, the Constitution's text strongly suggests a complete delegation of authority to the federal government to provide for the common defense. Article 1 spells out Congress's many related powers across multiple provisions. Section 8, Clause 1. Article 2 makes the president the commander-in-chief. Section 2, Clause 1. And Article 4 changes the federal government, or charges the federal government with protecting states against invasion. That's Section 4. The Constitution also divests the states of like authority. See Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1 and 3, assigning them only a limited role in the appointment of the officers and to the training of the militia, according to the discipline prescribed by Congress. Section 8, Clause 16. History teaches the same lesson. The want of power in Congress to raise an army under the Articles of the Confederation had left the national government dependent upon the states to supply military forces via a system of quotas and registration that had nearly cost the fledgling nation victory in the Revolutionary War. That's a selective draft law cases. Uh, the Constitution, by design, worked an entire change on the first principles of the system, giving Congress direct power over the formulation, direction, or support of the national forces. The Federalist number 23, uh, that is, yeah, from the Federalist number 23, uh, by ratifying that document, the states well knew that their sovereignty would give way to a national policy to build and maintain the armed forces. Consistent with this structural understanding, Congress has long legislated regarding military forces at the expense of state sovereignty. 
This court's precedents, likewise, show that ordinary background principles of state sovereignty are displaced in this uniquely federal area. See, for example, Tarbell's case. The national government's power to raise and support armies cannot be questioned by any state authority. Um, or United States versus Oregon. Authority normally left to the states is displaced by Congress, constitutional powers to raise armies and navies. Under Penn East test, Congress's power to build and maintain national military is complete in and of itself. Upon entering the Union, the states agreed that their sovereignty would yield so far as is necessary to federal policy for the armed forces. Because the states committed not to thwart this federal power, the consent of a state, including to suit, can never be a condition precedent to Congress's chosen exercise. No contention to the contrary persuades the court otherwise. The categorical claim that Congress may not exercise its Article I powers to abrogate state sovereign immunity ignores the fact that congressional abrogation is not the only means of subjecting states to suit. States can also be sued if they have consented to suit in the plan of the convention. Uh, Penn East again. Nor is USERRA's text insufficiently clear to displace national immunity under Texas law. Sorry, under Texas law. USERRA expressly supersedes any state law that reduces limits or eliminates in any manner any right or benefit provided by this chapter, including the establishment of additional prerequisites to the exercise of any such right or the receipt of any such benefit. Section 4302b. Neither Seminole Tribe nor Alden compels a different result. Congress's commerce, plow Ugh. Congress's commerce powers at issue in Seminole Tribe are distinguishable from its war powers under Penn East. Complete in itself inquiry. And in Alden, the court expressly embraced the postulate that states shall be immune from suits without their consent, save where there has been a surrender of this immunity in the plan of the convention. That save where proviso recognizes exceptions for structural waivers, supplying the basis for the court's decisions in Penn East and Katz, as well as the decision today. Finally, the idea that Penn East and Katz involved in rem actions and the fact that the U.S. ERRA suits lack a certain founding era pedigree do not make a difference under Penn East's basic reasoning. The court therefore holds that in joining together to form a union, the states agreed to sacrifice their sovereign immunity for the good of the common defense. Um, the decision below is reversed and remanded. Justice Breyer delivered the opinion of the court in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Sotomayor, Kagan, Kavanaugh uh, joined. Justice Kagan filed a concurring opinion. Justice Thomas filed a dissenting opinion in which Justices Alito, Gorsuch, and Barrett joined. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, uh, find the PayPal link in the show notes or contact me at rhodesscholar80 at gmail.